The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. People think a lot about when they're about to retire and perhaps not about enough when they are just starting out. So to talk about pensions in general and why you need that retirement pension pot is Carol Brick, Managing Director of CWM Wealth Management and Her Money. Carol, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat. Great to be back with you. It's great to tell people, you know, when you're 22, start a pension and they think, well, I haven't bought a house. I haven't done this. I haven't got a car. I haven't. I'm not going to do that yet. There'll be plenty of time. I know. And I suppose, look, from wearing the financial advisory hat, anyone over 18 and in full-time employment should be doing a pension. But as you said, they might have different priorities when they start working. It's their first time earning. They're trying to get the deposit together, buy their first car, etc., etc. But look, there's no right or wrong time to start a pension. The truth of the matter is we're all living longer. Average mortality rates are roughly 84, 85. So even if you start a pension at 40, you still have a good 25 years of pension funding. Yeah. So it's whatever suits yourself. But obviously, ideally, the tax relief is extremely generous. Your employer might be kind enough to put in a contribution for you. So that's free money, effectively. So if you can at all, I would say start. Now, many people change jobs multiple times uh, throughout their 20s, particularly you know, in the tech sector and so on. And many of those companies have pension plans and people are automatically enrolled in them. Um, but then they don't transport their pension to the next employer. So they're left with a bit of a scheme here and a bit of a scheme there. And then maybe as time moves on, they've forgotten the details. Yeah, we come across that an awful lot um, with our clients, especially because we deal mostly with self-employed contractors. Um, so at the moment in Ireland, there's about 400 million euro in unclaimed pension, uh, private pension pot monies. And these are located where? They're literally sitting in pots with, I suppose, various life companies. and In their bank account. In, well, in sitting in yeah, invested in, funds yeah. in the name of these, I suppose, clients who just haven't kept track of the monies. Now, an awful lot more people, I suppose, are becoming aware of the fact that they can easily track down the funds. And that's one of the services that we provide. And so with the authority of the client, we can actually go to each old provider and once given a few weeks to carry out our research, we can come back and tell them exactly yeah. what's in every pot and how they can best, um, I suppose, draw down the money yeah. when the time comes. In theory, you could actually transport the pension to each uh, from each job through a centralised pre- pension provider, but a lot of people don't. They just sign up to the next company. And a off lot they go. of exactly. They only focus on the present, and um, we find that once we carry out our audits on the old pensions, nine times out of ten, they'll transfer them all forward into the active pension they're they're contributing into. It's easier to keep track of, and most importantly, you know exactly what's in the pot at any one time. Now there are people who have uh, occupational pensions, and there are defined contribution pensions, and less and less. Uh, defined benefit pensions. Exactly. The defined benefit, uh, they tell you what you're going to get. Yes. The holy grail of pensions, we call them, Pat, still. And, you know, obviously they're very few and far between now. But, I mean, anyone who's sitting with a, on a, with a defined benefit pot is, def- is, is, is advised to just stick with it. Obviously, it's a guaranteed pension for life. Now, various um, entrants to public service after certain dates were no longer um, allowed, I suppose, uh, partake in such a generous scheme. They're all, they've all now become defined benefit and that's where obviously Defined contribution Sorry, defined contribution Pat Excuse me But 
But if you're in the civil service, are you still defined? If you're a new entrant, are you defined a contribution now? Most are defined contribution, yes. Um, so there was various cutoffs. Um, but yeah, all new entrants are defined contribution. All right. So that gold-plated pension for a younger cohort won't be there. Unfortunately not. Um, can people who are state employees then also have a, another pension to which they can contribute? Exactly. Um, so what we find with state employees is that obviously this, with their employer or the state is contributing a percentage, they usually match it. And more and more of them now that it's becoming, it's been directed away from the defen- defined benefit model are choosing to do AVCs. Um, so they're starting their own, I suppose, top-ups, so additional voluntary contributions. They're topping up their defined contribution benefits to have, you know, the highest pot they possibly can when it comes to drawdown. Now, auto-enrolment is looming. Um, How quickly will that uh, happen? And you will be auto-enrolled unless you opt out. How are you allowed to opt out? What are the conditions? Okay, so firstly, I suppose, as regards auto-enrolment, Pat, it's coming since 2006. It's apparently going to be introduced in mid to late 2024. Now, personally, I think, you know, with the cost of living crisis, employers are already pushed to the pin of their collar. Um, So you're talking about employers suddenly been faced with a 1.5% immediate increase in their costs and employees being faced with a 1.5% cut in their pay. Now, obviously, there are some employers we mentioned earlier who are doing it anyway, so they won't be affected because they have the occupational schemes. But for a small employer, suddenly... Yes, so there's seven, 750,000 potential employees out there who are not member of schemes who will be automatically enrolled. So that's 750,000 employees um, that will be joining the scheme at a cost to their employer. And now, at a cost themselves as well. Exactly. So, uh, you know, as an employer myself, now, you know, my, I have a, a scheme already in place for my staff, but if I didn't, I would be working this into my P&L for next year. So, you know, it's a significant cost. Personally, I see them pushing it out. But, you know, I suppose um, it is it is a potentially an excellent scheme. And we're a long time waiting for it. We're the last um, we're the last country indeed in the OECD to, to actually have such a scheme in place. But you you are sceptical that it'll happen I'm, when they say. I am at this point. Yes. Now, some of the questions coming in. Liam and Kildare, when I reach 50, can I cash in my pension and collect a percentage of it? Okay, good question, Liam. Um, I suppose it depends on the type of scheme it is. If it's an employment scheme and you've left service, then there's an opportunity to probably access access your tax-free cash. Um, If it's a personal scheme, so the types of, say, a personal retirement bond, yes, you can draw down from it. So it depends on the type of scheme. And 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 the age, 50, seems quite young. Yes, 50 is young. And look, in reality, we come across very few clients that access or look to access their benefits from such a young age because, after all, you can now have the opportunity to work until you're 70 or 75, in fact. Um, So it is young. But yes, you can, depending on the scheme. And if Liam wants to even contact us as regards that type of scheme, I'll be able to tell him straight off if he can or not. So even if Liam then has a new job, he can still cash in his pension? If he's in a new job. Different job, job, you know, different employer. Yeah, so if he's actively contributing to an employment scheme right now and this scheme he refers to is a PRB or a personal retirement bond, then yes, he can still draw down from that at 50. So again, it depends on the scheme. I'd need more details and he's welcome to send them in.
As my total income is derived from rental income, I believe I'm excluded from revenue from having a pension with tax benefits. Are there any tax efficient ways available to me to save for my retirement? That's from John. Okay, so unfortunately, tax relief for pension contributions is only based on PAYE earnings or otherwise known in revenue eyes as net relevant earnings. So he is unfortunately correct there. He cannot make any pension contributions. All I can say is that, you know, make sure he's engaging with a good accountant and tax advisor to claim all the relevant reliefs and entitlements he has as a landlord um, but there's no other way to build um, a valid revenue-proofed pension if it's all rental income. Could he put the properties into a pension fund? There's ways and means around that, yes. Um, again, it depends on the property, how long he's owned it, etc. There's a maybe a possibility he can wrap that into a self-administered pension but again, we'd need to see more details there and John is welcome to contact us directly. I have a pension with approximately 150,000 in it at present. I'm 60 early next year and I know I can take out a quarter of my pension in cash when I qualify to do that. However, on my statement of what I'd expect to get as a monthly payment on my pension, I notice it's very low. I don't have my statement here at present, but from what I can remember, it could only be somewhere between 200 to 250 per month as an income on my pension as my pension is reinvested to buy me an income. This is buying an annuity, I presume, they're talking about. Is this correct? Also, when I die, does the remaining pension get paid to my family or does it die with me? On a quick calculation, at 150k, if I take a quarter, it leaves a pot of 120. At 4k a year uh, of an income, I would have 30 more years before I'd clear my pension. Does that seem right? Okay, so firstly, can I say he's 60 next year. He should definitely know for sure right now, a year from possible drawdown, exactly what his options are. You know, I feel sorry for him in one way that he's trying to evaluate what this statement means. And ideally, if he's got a proper advisor or somebody he's actively in touch with with his finances, he should be very clear on what his options are. But I suppose just looking at the details he sent in, um, it certainly looks like the statement is based on the fact that when he draws down, he will only be entitled to draw an annuity. Annuity rates are really, really low, and that makes about that makes sense there that it's approximately two two hundred euro, two hundred and fifty euro per month. Ideally, here what we would like uh, is if he can take the tax free cash of thirty seven thousand five hundred, and that he could invest the remainder in an ARF. Right. And an ARF has an inheritable value. So there's if he dies, the whole value of the ARF would, would, would be, I suppose, paid into his estate. If it's an annuity, unfortunately, the annuity dies with you. So there's no inheritable value from an annuity. Um, you yeah, know, I mean, it always seemed to me a bit daft that someone has a, a good pension pot, goes into an annuity and they die next year and the money's gone. It makes no sense. You know, you've worked hard all your life. That's a good pot he has there, 150k. He should be entitled to his tax-free cash of 37,500 and ideally invest the remainder of 112,500 in an ARF. John, you need to see Calp here. Again, you're within 12 months of possible retirement. He's welcome to scan that statement into my office and I'll be able to have a look at it. Um, But it clearly seems to be based on an annuity being the only post-retirement benefit. A member of Angartha Siakona post-2013 pension rules. Does the Garda need to take out AVCs to boost the pension? Or what's your opinion on the current post-2013 pension? This member plans to retire at 55 after 30 years service. Okay, so AVCs there, obviously he wants to maximise his benefits, which would be one and a half times uh, finishing salary in the tax-free lump sum and half his finishing salary um, in 
his pension. So again, without seeing his specific figures and his age, etc., I would definitely um, recommend AVCs there. There would be a company that deal directly with the Garda Síochána. Um, but if he's looking for further details, he's welcome to contact us. But yes to AVCs. Uh, I'm in receipt of a pension from the Department of Education and I'm wondering if this pension will continue to be paid when I qualify for the contributory state pension. The answer is yes. Um, so they get the full pension that uh, that they is accruing from the Department of Education and then you qualify for the contributory pension and it's not deducted from it. Yes, going, you get both. Going back there to the Holy Grail, like her defined benefit, benefit pension will be payable and then her pension will kick in as well at the age of 66 or whatever age. Now, again, I don't have specifics here, so I'd like to see them before I, 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 I suppose, give quality advice. But um, the short answer is yes. So two pensions available there. How to transfer a pension abroad? It's like getting blood from a stone. It is. I was stuck in a few of them myself, Pat. We were trying to uh, transfer a pension from the UK over and we stopped the whole process after about 24 months, two years. Um, Less and less are being transferred now unless there's a very valid reason. It is an absolute red tape nightmare. Can you have more than one pension pot? You can indeed. It depends on the type of pension. You could be, I suppose, in an employment pension and not be doing AVC. So have a standalone personal pension as well. So um, there's no problem there. Again, once they're getting quality financial advice as regards all the schemes they're possibly contributing to. If you have an ARF, can you build up another one? You can, indeed. We have clients who have separate ARFs. There's no problem there. You know, if it's, a, I suppose, a high pot at the end of the day, there's no harm in spreading it between a few providers if they feel better doing that. And I suppose it also helps to diversify your portfolio of investments. Um, ask please about all life insurance that bombs out because the insurance company says you've outlived the policy, even though no age was ever mentioned. And if you want to continue, you pay over double what you were paying and you get a lower payout. Okay, well, that sounds like it's executive term or death in service that he's talking about. And that indeed does expire on the drawdown date of the pension because all the policies are linked together. That may seem unfair, but in, you know, if you, I suppose, knew in advance at say, you know, 45 to 50 that this was going to happen, you could take out a separate policy and increase the benefits when you do get over a certain age. But unfortunately, that's the case right now. Uh, Public servants in a defined contribution scheme, uh, what this person says, new entrants go into the single scheme, which is still defined benefit, not defined contribution. Again, I would need to have a look at that, Pat. We, you know, we don't normally provide advice to public sector employees. um, But again, it depends on their age, etc. I'm leaving the HSE. Can I bring my pension with me? Okay, well, again, that depends on whether it's defined benefit, which I am presuming that it is. Then defined if it's defined benefit, you just wait until that expires. You wouldn't transfer that. Defined contribution. You just keep keep it there. You pause it and you get the equivalent pension to the amount of of years. If you've done 20 years instead of 40, you get half the pension. Exactly. So when you reach the retirement age, that those benefits will be paid to you almost as if you're still employed. Uh, Can you ask your guest for advice about uh, pensions for job sharing teachers? Two teachers split in the week. Okay, well, they would still be entitled to, I suppose, have a pension contribution made for them by the department. Um, Needless to say, because they'll have part-time service, they will be, you know, entitled to, uh, I suppose, less of a pot at retirement. So for those teachers, it's actually more advisable to definitely engage in AVCs and to, I suppose, make contact with the financial advisor that is uh, responsible. Usually, I think it's Corn Market that looks after that. But if you're job sharing, AVCs are definitely advisable. 
we've a number of people saying the same thing. New entrants to the public sector still get defined benefit pensions. The difference is it's based on average earnings, not final, and they make slightly more of a contribution into the scheme than before. That's from Dave in Galway. Is that the, the case? Um, I'll, I'll need to look into that, actually, Pat. Yeah, because uh, the idea that they still get a, a defined benefit pension but the calculation of the salary upon which it's based. There used to be a thing that if you were approaching retirement that your pals would get you a promotion for the last few months so you'd have a higher salary and therefore a higher lump sum and a higher pension pot. I think that uh, probably has been rooted out. Carol Brick, a Managing Director of CWM Wealth Management and also of Her Money. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. And that's all we have time for. A reminder that our items from today are uploaded to this podcast, which you can listen to on the Newstalk app, powered by GoLoud. Just search for The Pat Kenny Show. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.